Hello and welcome to Harold Hey. It's Corey Vaughn with Adam Samaha. Today we're talking about Runaway Float, which was written by Jonathan Greenberg and directed by Rob Porter and Larry Likelighter. Um, after a pretty rough last episode, <laughs> uh, we are happy to report that this was fun. It this was, was a fun one. We were great. We had a lot of good things to say. This is a good episode. This, when I when I watched it, I think the last one I thought was going to be Adam's Wheelhouse. I was wrong. This one was like right up his alley. He got some great ideas. I have, yeah, some hot takes in there. Uh, this is all about um, art versus commerce. It's great. Yeah, we talk about capitalism. We talk about neoliberalism. We, we talk, talk about, about art. We talk mm -hmm. about sincerity, genuine art making, mm -hmm. consumption, uh, commerce, society, society, uh, uh, governance, governance, uh, patron, patron, uh, patron. Oh. Patreon. Oh, which reminds me. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Hit up our Patreon. Yeah. Give us money. We really need it. Because uh, we don't want to go to a person like Big Bob to get the money rolling in. We yeah. re we're relying which on you, Which happens the in this episode. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about sponsored content versus uh, branded content. We do. Um, this is su a surprisingly great... This episode... Uh, not our episode. The episode of Harold that we talk about is a really good visual parable of um, the throes of... of economics basically yes yeah it's great good. and and not only so not only but not only is it a parable where the images represent something true they also straight up say those things so there's um yeah there there, there are many layers of truth told in this in this episode if you ever thought craig bartlett might be a communist this is the episode this is the episode not to out him but uh yeah. um yeah thanks for joining us we're glad to be back uh enjoy uh the episode yeah, thank you. Bye bye. bye. In Runaway Float, we find Arnold drawing the float of his dreams in his classroom. Uh, this float is for the upcoming parade. Of course, we see the return of Miss Slovak. Again, this is a out of order episode, but that's okay. Uh, her, her response is this is an amazing float, but we don't have the budget for it. This is the float. It's a carnival boardwalk fair that represents a stand in for the city. As Arnold explains, uh, there's a, um, the roller coaster represents downtown because it's crazy and unpredictable. Uh, the Savlaki stand uh, represents uh, another part of the city because there's all this great food there. And he, he kind of relates each different piece of this float uh, that is represented by a carnival. He takes each different piece and connects it to the city. Arnold really understands the, the ether of his city. Um, but of course, it can't be done. They don't have the budget. But Helga has an idea. She approaches her father, uh, a wealthy businessman, owner of Big Bob's Beeper Emporium, and suggests, hey, let's make a float and put the name of your business on it. Uh, you can sponsor it. Uh, he agrees, but only when convinced that the free children labor and the flowers from the mortuary will uh, get this job done. Um, He's trying to cut cost. Not just because he's like a sick individual, but the but the suggestion is maybe he yeah. is <laughs> uh, true. So we see our first of a few montages 
of the kids building this uh, um, float with chicken wire and flowers and paint and putty. Uh, but of course, as every artist knows, you run out of money. Uh, and so Helga has to go back to her dad, who begrudgingly agrees to give her more money. Uh, and so again, another montage of them building up this float. And all these kids are so proud of how great this float looks. Uh, it looks just like Arnold imagined it. Uh, an amazing carnival uh, with a roller coaster and a tilt-a-whirl and a, and a log ride. Uh, and Helga, too, is proud in part because she made Arnold's dreams come true. And as she's kind of fawning over this, uh, her dad walks in and says, I hate it. And he brings in his slimy assistant and the two of them uh, basically rip Arnold a new one. Uh, and say this is not what we want to have representing our brand. And so uh, they, uh, Bob wins over the kids by saying, you can all dress up in beepers and be on the float. And I'm going to remake this to how I want it. Uh, so Arnold's disappointed, but him and Gerald refuse to take part. Uh, and Helga kind of does her usual, what should I do? My father the man, the man I love, uh, in the end, she decides to go with capitalism over the art. Uh, and then we cut to, uh, the day of the parade. Uh, the city is filled with people. Arnold and Gerald decide to come, even though they're not, um, participating. Uh, and Gerald wisely talks about, um, the difference between commerce and art. Uh, and at first the, um, the float seems to be, you know, uh, well received. All the kids in there, uh, um, all the kids in there in their costumes, and a giant beeper on top of the float that Arnold imagined and created. Uh, but of course, um, this episode is called "Runaway Float," uh, and so fairly quickly, uh, Bob loses control of this float that he's controlling with this cheap uh, remote control, um, and. It becomes, which we'll talk about later, it becomes this visual metaphor of of the ups and downs of commerce. Um, all these kids are holding on for dear life, and Arnold has to chase after it to stop it from crashing into this building that looks like the library or the, the, the mayor's office or something. Um, and so Arnold does save the day. He, he uh, pulls an emergency brake and um, stops it in its tracks, and the giant beeper um, falls apart. And the whole city sees this amazing float that Arnold uh, designed and their, their team actually wins the competition for best float. And uh, Bob relinquishes um, his win uh, and gives it basically invites the kids up to share the glory. Uh, and it, it ends uh, just sweet and nice. Um, but really, and that's the episode, but really it's the, the meat of the episode is really good. Um, I don't think the ending, I think the ending was just, I don't know. Tell me what you think, Adam, but it seems like the ending wasn't really important to the episode. It just was a way to like end it. it. You know, the episode needed to end. And so there was not really, it didn't feel like, and this is how capitalism works, or this is how art wins at the end of the day. It just was a way to move on to the next episode. But I feel like most of the episode was actually more interesting than the ending was. Um, I don't know. I think there's, well, do you want to jump in right away to the what I think of the ending, or now? No, no, no. Um, yeah, okay. On. We we let's talk about it. But that's something I was thinking about. Is that yes? Let's go into it later. But 
just because I just talked about the ending, I would say that it doesn't match the rest of the kind of cynicism of um, the episode, the, the underneath cynicism. It's not, I think what we'll get into is it's not on top. It's there's this like deep cynicism about um, it's like about the tension, the inherent tension, which uh, Gerald brings up. It's about the inherent tension between commerce and art creation. Right. right. Um, and well, just quickly, I think that the, there's like specific imagery at play yes. at the very end of the episode Okay. that I think, yeah, you're right. It isn't cynical, but I think it's supposed to take a turn and it sh- sort of mm. shows you that like the potential that exists beneath right, pure right. commerce. Ah, uh, uh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Um, well, I, this episode is nice cause it has two really good thesis scenes butted up against each other. Um, complement each other. Well, yes, exactly. Uh, the first is, um, right after Bob, um, basically refuses uh, to use Arnold's designed float um, and says he's going to change it. Uh, When Arnold and Gerald leave, Helga kind of processes that dilemma, which is the most Helga thing to do. The poetic tension that she displays is is really great. Uh, It's always on one hand, on the other hand. Uh, And then right after that, um, Arnold and Gerald go to the parade and bummed out Arnold gets confronted by Gerald, who kind of, as he does, shoots it to him straight. Um, and I think the, these two conversations are at the heart of this episode. So let's listen to that. Oh, cruel fortune. I'm torn between my poor love, his hope and dashed, his dreams slashed. And on the other side, the ogre, unthinking and uncaring as he squashes Arnold's artistic vision. Oh, well, at least I'm queen of the beepers. surprised to see you out for the parade, Oscar. What, are you kidding? It's a great place to pick up loose change that people draw. And a few loose screws, I'll wager. Thanks for coming out to the parade, man. (sighs) Yeah, would have been a great float. Too bad they turned it into a beeper. Arnold, it's art versus commerce, and commerce always wins. I saw that Wall Street show. Hey, look, here comes the parade. So let's jump in, I guess, first to the Helga section, um, which, as we said, it's the very common Helga trope to wrestle with between her father and her love. Um, I like that she calls her uh, like bigoted capitalist father an ogre. That's a, that's very turn of the century kind of motif. Um, I do have a thought. Do you have any like gut thoughts on that uh, bit? Um no i think you that was a good summation of it i think yeah i think as it's as we discussed so far that's good yeah i so what i like about it is and we kind of talked about this off mic but um that she is wrestling between uh you know like the imagination the art the design that arnold provides and then um kind of the reality of capitalism i guess but more specifically the reality of the business of her father um, and then, yeah, underneath that is kind of the throes of, uh, capitalism. Um, but I like that she, her decision lies in the last statement, which is, well, at least I'm queen of the beepers, which, um, creates like a true class system and puts her on top. And she fit when she's on the actual, um, uh, float, she's on top, she's wearing a crown. And so there's this like Royal, you know, it, 
this episode to me is a, is a visual fable of capitalism, but what's interesting is that they mix it with, you know, um, a kingly feudal type system as well. Totally. And I think, so I think what she understands is that she's an interesting person in the whole equation because she is well-intentioned. Like she understands Mm -hmm. that to have, Arnold's dream come to fruition and his art to be expressed fully that it needs to be funded in some way right right and because the school is underfunded and therefore the arts are underfunded in the school right it's either making this deal with the devil essentially which is her father and going to him and asking mm-hmm, for money mm-hmm. and at first it and at first it seems and this is what is sort of interesting about this is that it shows that at first, it seems like you are going to win out in this yeah. instance, but then when the person, the person with control is the person with the money. So, and and the person that has the like the overwhelming influence in the in the equation is the person with the money, and they may like to. Uh, and it's weird to talk about it in the context of this, of this dynamic with Helga and her dad and Arnold and everything, but um, when you have um it's like he kind of likes the idea of having uh his business be promoted in a specific type of way and then when he sees that it's almost too abstract for him to comprehend and like he does he has like a very simplistic understanding of advertising Right, right which is like everything has to be so on the nose like i'm selling beepers therefore there should be a giant beeper yeah and there should be a bunch of minion beepers running around he doesn't understand like true like advertising and trying to get people to like um be into your thing require is like a psychological play yeah and so like that's where the whole idea of like selling a lifestyle yeah as opposed to selling a product comes into play um and in a way arnold he could use arnold's good work to actually benefit his company and humanize his beeper empire but he's too foolish and that shows uh the fact that just because you have money doesn't mean you have sense or talent um and that, just because you have money doesn't mean you have sense. Yes. Oh. C-E-N-T-S. <laughs> I didn't even see what I did there. Yeah, you did great. Um, but yeah, so I think there's a lot of different things that go at play in this uh, episode that are very interesting. And um, he he almost starts out like a patron of the arts. Like, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like in, uh, you know, well, first it was during Greek and Roman times. Uh, and then again at the Renaissance uh, and in the church. Uh, you would have um, a patron who, you, you know, might say, I want you to sculpt this thing for me, or I want you to build this building for me, or I want you to paint this painting for me. Um, and in each, you know, uh, early on, it's 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 the government and philosophers um, who ten- tended to have a say in what the art was going to be. And then eventually it was the church and the monarchy. And, um, and then eventually the capitalists uh, are the same. But what... What I like is the second pass where she says, I need more money. He says, when can I see the thing? Because patrons, even the most generous art patron still wants to see the work because they're putting money to it. And yeah. if, if they find out that their artist is schlubbing away their money, they're not going to be happy about it. Even the most, totally. even the, you know, if you give to a theater company or a music company and you go to a show and it's like not good, it's like, well, where does my where's my money going? Yeah. There's still a, uh, com- there's a commodification, even in, even in the best situation, there's a commodification of art. And I like that he, even 
at the best version of him, he's a commodified patron of the arts that slowly turns into this, as Helga calls him, an ogre of yeah. like like ad and capitalism. Um, and then it then it becomes the Bob you expect him to be, which is I don't like it. It's not easy enough for my dumb pea brain. Yeah. Um, I do. Yeah. And and in a way, it's it's obviously like a critique of capitalism, and to push that idea even further. It's like a good dissection of the of the idea of neoliberalism, which is where it depends on how who you're reading uh, their take. But like a Foucaultian perspective of neoliberalism would hmm. be like the personal elements and like how one gives themselves and as a human into capitalism and they be- become a part of the equation. Yes. So yes. when they're transformed, literally them dressing up as yes. the commodified yes. good yes. Yes. to participate yes. and how, how you were talking about how Helga has created, has stratified the beepers and has created, yeah. put herself at the top. Like that idea of like w- through the commodification of oneself that you can actually enter into sort of an arena where you can then set yourself and pin yeah. pet yourself up against others and hoping that you end up on top. And that that's like a very weird way to explain what neoliberalism is, neoliberalism is. but uh, the idea of commodifi- commodifying oneself, yes, like yes. one's body yeah. and one's life is fundamental to the idea of, of neoliberalism. Well, and, and this like dives deeply and there, first into there, that. There's a part of that, that at the beginning, the kids are open to, they're like realists at the beginning. Like, um, for you know, Arnold, Eugene, and Gerald agree that Helga can ride on the float, um, and they also agree that Big Bob's name can be plastered all over it because they're <laughs> they're realists that it takes money to make art, and so they're not they're not like no like because it's either just... this or nothing yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they so I think, and, and I would even say that like there's an now Big Bob's Beeper Emporium isn't the best example of this, but you know I could see you know we. Uh, we are running a podcast. It would be great if we had a sponsor. And in a certain context, we would be open to having some kind of sponsor. But as soon as like it turns if there's in, like a, a, a beeper company out there that wants to sponsor us. Yeah, that would, that would be, be great. amazing. Yeah. No, but it, it's it's almost like it, it, it changed from sponsored content to um, well, no, sp- a sponsored system to sponsored content. That's what happened totally. in the system. And, and, you know, you like it's one thing to go on like a, a news like a period a journalistic periodical online or like a podcast and see that they're sponsored by a company but the company has no say in what they do other than if you do this, this is like branded content it, that's like what I'm yes. sorry. yeah it, it, it's like it, it changed you... from sponsored content yeah, to, to brand. branded content yes and and you know I think everybody in our like as you say a neoliberal system understands that sponsored content is how the world works. And unfortunately, the gross thing is that branded content is the new thing. Uh, well, and, and if you look at so this is tangential, but it's on topic is if you look at the transformation of advertising, it it mm-hmm. it, it changes very much the way that like capitalism, those sorts sorts of things and neoliberalism as it becomes defined in sort of the 70s going forward uh, starts to rear its head. But then you do see a change like advertising started off as this thing, much how Bob understands advertising, right, right. which is like, I'm selling beepers. I make good beepers. My ads say these are right. good beepers and you want good beepers. So you're going to buy these beepers. Right. And the idea of creating advertising that is lifestyle is the, uh, is the transformation of neoliberalism, right? Which is, it becomes, you become subsumed into this larger thing. And, and it's interesting because you, even in this, even in the structure, even within a system like neoliberalism, you have people like Helga who are going to be at the top. Yes. And then you have everybody else 
everybody i have like a list in that moment you have like everybody else that's just sort of playing the game yes but are basically just like pawns in the game and they're just sort of moving through the space and they'll never be the queen you know because there's only one in a given yeah. scenario and so but they still get to engage to some degree with i mean this is going even further down no, no, the I, hole, but like with with the hope of becoming the queen and that's not exp- expressed in this episode no, at all they're all I, totally happy and contented yes. and being little beepers so running around the float. what's interesting is there are two ways that the kids um give in to um uh i guess work work for the man uh and one is where they're truly um uh part of part of the creative process yes and the other is they're tricked into it in both cases they're being sponsored by um a, a brand um but the difference is um one is like like basically at first it's just the kids making and playing and building and they're still working their sweat they're they're like exhausted at the end um and there's this like moralistic most of hey arnold um if they're not critiquing capitalism and you know uh, uh neoliberalism etc they're talking about what hard work looks like um and uh you know there's some of that that is a little bit propaganda-ish but it's also not a bad thing i mean i saw an episode today moving forward um in a few episodes about harold having to kind of pay penance by working uh at a butcher at the butcher shop and it's a really fulfilling episode to watch because it doesn't hammer it on your head that hard work is good it just it shows i mean it shows it in a way that isn't um about the money it's about the experience and i feel like that ties in very well to this because so so in line with what we were talking about before like if you want to take a cup like a pretty hard left perspective and incorporating the idea that hard work is good and is a social good it actually plays really well into this episode because initially you have Arnold with a very good idea that is truthful to him and is sincere. Yes. And then you have, there's a galvanizing effect behind it where all of his classmates get behind it, believe in his, his vision and want to work collaboratively and collectively to, to create this good. And will he do anything, even work with Bob who they don't like? Well, no, 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 that's not, no, no, no. That's not, that's not where I was going with that. But what, sorry, but what, what they do. I'm wrong. I get it. (laughs) No, but they appeal to the state or the school to right, for, right, for right. help in this thing and they did it under the auspices of the state or the, the the school the public school that they're going to but because the school is so underfunded right cough cough neoliberalism they are forced to go to the market and to wow, go wow. to um an outside funding source that is like you were saying capitalistic in its ends wow. yeah. whereas the school isn't it's just underfunded right. and that underfunding of public goods forcing things into a private market is neoliberalism so it, it really does this That's episode, this episode yeah. really w- well shows you how like structural changes, which is like the idea of, and, and just policy, the idea of not funding a public thing does limit creativity. Wow. And this, wow. this episode does a very good way of, um, and uh, of, of showing that, but it also then at the same time shows that like good still can be created if given the opportunity, which is where the end of the episode, I think ties in and becomes interesting. Yeah. Is because it can seem like a feel-good ending where it's like this thing's got to end, which I believe is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what's going on. But I it think... wraps up rather nicely. Yeah, yeah, it does, yeah. and it's almost like too nice, or it's yeah. like a bow. So you're sus- it's suspect, and I agree with that. But I think it's still what it's trying to do is show like 
even in the most rotten of circumstances, like good things still can true, be produced true. if given the opportunity. Um, and I think, yeah, that second half is interesting and I think we could dive in deep. I want to say a couple more things about the first half. Basically the second half is from the runaway, the yeah. part where the float actually runs away. So everything building up to it, um, just to, uh, these are just smaller, um, like almost secondary things that tie into the larger critique of, um, I guess capitalism, like the faults of capitalism. Um, and that's when Helga approaches her dad, her dad, at first he's like, this is stupid. No way. I'm not going to pay for that. And she says, no, it's a good deal. This is going straight to the product. You're getting free labor. And that like makes he, the joke is that he's using children for labor and you know, kids don't even, you know, kids are like Tom Sawyering about it. They're like, wow, this is great. Like we get to build this thing. But the joke is that he's going to be the only one that actually gets anything from it, which is free publicity. Um, but even past the point of using using the labor, the free labor of children to build his advertisement, he also is building off of the backs of um, the dead of the city because <laughs> he, he, he pulls um, used flowers yeah. from the mortuary. Um, which I don't know if that's legal or not. I don't, you know, they might be the dying flowers. They might, you know, it might be legal, but the fact that it's coming from this system of the dead, um, is just another layer of, um, grossness of, uh, this kind of, uh, capital overlord. I don't know what you would call it, what the right term is, but yeah, the fact that he's using, um, the, basically the history of this town, the dead, with the future of this town, the the children to build his 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 advertisement is so funny. It's like it's and it, it's so passing. It bar- you barely yeah. even hear it, but it's it adds to the fabric of um, this episode. Um, yeah, I think I think it's I, well, and from like a hyper rational perspective, like he's not wrong. You he's know not I mean? wrong. Like, no, you want to lower um, the cost of labor and you want the cost of your raw materials to be very low as well. Yeah. Um, so, so he's not wrong, but then you look at it from like a moral lens. Yeah. Oh, it's terrible. It's like, it's like gross. It's yeah. gross. Yeah. But what, what it is does. And, it, and it's funny. It's like, it, there's almost some things where, and I know some people would find this to be problematic, but when, when you allow things to become extremely simplified, like you get to see the true, the truth in them very easily. Yeah. And it, that is, that is, that idea of cost cutting being so important is what most contemporary and not contemporary people from the past think about during business transactions. And they think about labor and people in those right, terms, right. those cold terms. Yes. He he's, he's all he's thinking about is the money he's saving in that moment. Totally. Um, and so Helga does a good job sealing the deal basically. Um, and so, okay, so let's make a shift to basically the change of the float to all the way to the, to the um, parade itself. Um, so when Arnold and Helga and the kids first look at this float before Bob says no, it's this really beautiful, I mean, it's like silly, you know, when, when Arnold is describing what the float's going to be, it's like, it's, it's a nine-year-old who's learned what symbols are and has like gone a little crazy. It's like, I remember the first time I read, um, Lord of the flies, I was like symbols. They mean everything. Like it was so, Oh, the conch. What does that represent? What, what does piggy represent? Like you, you go, you dive in too deep to like, this represents this, which actually represents this. And I feel like Arnold does get a little carried away if I'm honest, but it's still lovely. It's very, um, 
it it's like a childlike embracing of diversity that's of like diversity adorable. of of the good things of commerce of the good totally. things of the metropolis all the all the like the hustle and bustle of the city that um it's really, like a humanist view of the city yes and if i'm honest like this show is a humanist view of the metropolis for me yeah like the whole the whole show here which i've talked about before and so it, it almost is like a microcosm of what the viewers of the show are seeing um in Arnold and these other kids, which is yeah. not just imagination and hard work, but also this like just as the float is a smaller version of the city that Arnold lives in, the float is also a smaller version of the show we're watching. Totally. And it's like it shows the inherent goodness of it all. Yes, yes. And so there's that lovely moment and so first you have Bob and his assistant here that it's like some crazy his, European I, ma- name. His, his accent and everything is incredible. Yeah. It's the, yeah. It's like very New York. It's great. Um, uh, but they're like, we hate it. It's bad. It's a failure. So first they, they like stomp on the dream of this kid, which is a, maybe a different conversation, but if nothing else, it fits in the narrative of, uh, like capitalism rules, art rules. Um, but <laughs> The visual symbol, which is smashing a giant beeper on top of a, of this dream of a city, is um, this ep- it, it it it's one of many visual puns. Not just puns, but like it's a visual symbol of the city. Yeah, um, what the city is trying to become, which is a a, a giant ugly. Well, the 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 great thing about the use of the beeper as well is that it's like a critique of progress to some degree too. Sure. And it shows the limitations of technology and stuff because the things that Arnold has created, structured his city on are sort of things that have existed forever. They're timeless. They're timeless things. And then you have this like very antiquated technology that is being put above all else, which is this beeper, which is really hilarious. If you think about it that way, Yeah, because even by 96 or probably 98, when this episode came out, like the beeper was on the down and the mobile phone was on the up. Well, they're like, if you're a, a kid, a little kid or younger person, what not, um, if you're not like a, I guess late millennial, like if you're not in your th- like th- mid thirties or, right or now. early thirties yeah, yeah. now or late twenties, you don't even know what a beeper is. Right, You've right. never seen one before. You didn't see your parents use them. Right. Right. So, it, 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 so it, it, yeah, it, it shows that like, while they were probably pr- like, there more was a lot common more then. common then they were still on the outs in 98 for sure even the when outs. this show was yes, being made yes so it, it, that makes him i think it adds to the hilarity of his character and his sort of push for everything well in the the um, shows how finite his successes so in the movie that they uh uh just created that and the timeline is kind of confusing because they kind of shift the timeline to today even though it's only been a year of time uh in the show uh, but it, it, what I like about it is Bob is a complete failure. Spoiler alert. Uh, it's like he's he there's a scene of of him just bored. And I think they're living in his old warehouse and building. Uh, he's building just like a, like a card tower. But instead of cards, they're beepers and cell phones. And so there's there's something about his 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 dream is finite, which is that he's gonna be, like the, the beeper. The king. beeper king is a, is a, is 1990. That's yeah. what that is. And, um, and that was a thing back then. Like there's the beeper King of every town basically. <laughs> um, yeah. And I love what you brought up earlier about the kids putting on the, the commerce, putting on yeah. the capitalist good. 
Yeah. Um, and becoming it. And becoming it. Yeah. yeah. Like totally embracing it. And okay. So what we're, what we haven't brought up yet, um, which is, I guess the climax, uh, maybe not the thesis of the episode, but the climax of it is, um, that the float runs away. It goes out of control. And so, and it, it pummels down the street. It, it, uh, it knocks down, um, basically like this, uh, float that represents the nonprofit. It's like cleaning, cleaning, uh, the town's beaches and dumps or something. And then it knocks over the arts, uh, which is a marching band, a marching band. Yeah. And then it, it drives the mayor off the road. And so it's this, I mean, it's so on the nose, um, which is that the, you can't, you can't stop the power of, of money basically. Totally. Um, and, and technology, another conversation could be technology as well, um, which would be interesting too, um, which goes a little bit against the like antiquated, of it but if you That's think like about the zuckerbergs of now of now <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. um and and the fact that it it's ending um the the parade is ending at this judge's panel that is set up in front of a library or some government building and so and you see that a couple times during this um uh runaway float situation and so the fact that like even even the halls of our government even the halls of our of our are social structure are at risk from from runaway yeah com- capitalism and, and commerce and yeah. especially when you have idiots like bob trying to control like he and and this is this is a situation with um this is a modern technological problem that uh, is real which is he's he's spending more money on the ad than the actual product of the thing yeah. yeah and so he instead of buying a good remote to really supplement um the power of this ad he buys a shitty remote that falls apart while he's using it and he can't control he can't control it and that's and and you know if you think about how many refrigerators your family has thrown away how many microwaves yeah. how many computers because things are made um not at the highest quality they're made just to like sell to be absolutely the quick way. sell yeah. and the quick destroy yeah um and i feel like there's so much just about the visual capacity of this episode. I don't want to yeah say what you wanted to say because I need to like pause and think about what the <laughs> no, next. No, there yes there 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 is so much going on in the visuals of this. Yeah, and even the things that they say littered throughout this episode yes, are yes. loaded as well. And there was one thing he said in that very scene you're talking about where he says like, and this can be like a trope, like just a goofy thing, but he he said like you know, hold on, let a professional do this thing. Yeah. And it, and, and it, it, I think it is a nod to the, like it, it, the, the, the idea of profession, professionalizing the arts and the over professionalization of things generally, it, which basically is your, um, you're giving into sort of like the authority of somebody that has some sort of clout for some reason, right, right. his purely being that he has money where the kids are the ones that had the good idea we're providing them mm-hmm. the the people power behind the project, and then we're also ultimately gonna save the day. And right, he still right. has the nerves and the sort of ego yes. that allows him to call himself the professional. When technically, out of everybody in this equation, he is the professional, but he's yes, still the yes. one that is create created this heinous situation that is like pummeling like all these public goods, like you were saying. Well, and uh, you know this this episode is a companion piece to the one where he, him and the same partner want to tear down the giant tree. Totally. And it, it doesn't end the same way, but it definitely is parallel. Um, yeah, and so yeah. what I appreciate so much about the writers is that they don't phone it in 
and make it the same episode, but a different subject. Totally. It's a different subject and a different episode, but it's absolutely a companion piece about, yeah. you know, if the first one was about um, uh, the way commerce and nature can never be together. Yeah. And that it takes like a true thinker to be able to keep them together, basically. Yeah. Um, this, this episode is about, um, I guess, commerce and art. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, yeah. and commerce and society would be the, yeah. the things that this is. So I, I appreciate that it isn't just the same episode, but it has some of the same moments. So the moment of um, Bob and his partner arguing over the over the faulty machinery yeah. is exactly the same. And, totally. and that's the same thing I want to see. If it was the same plot, I wouldn't want it. But I like that those little moments are it, it shows that he's this isn't the first time he's been a, a blowhard that thinks he's better than everybody mm-hmm. else. And this isn't the first time that he's said no to his daughter. Mm-hmm. So she says, can I drive it? And he says, no, let a professional do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's similar to her calling him out with a tree. Like, no, don't do it. And he says, I don't care. Like, just because you're my daughter, like I'm still going to do it. Yeah. Um, and, it, and in both cases, he family does win in mm-hmm. both cases. By the end of the episode, Bob has given in to Helga's plea, I guess. Um, because by the end, Bob does relinquish the, the win to Arnold and his classmates who did, who did, who, were the real Tom Sawyer's of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I say that because Tom Sawyer painted things. Uh, I guess, though, it was Tom Sawyer. Tom Sawyer's more the Bob because Tom Sawyer tricked everyone else to think it was cool to paint the fence. <laughs> Have you I'm, ever read Tom no, Sawyer? No, I'm completely. Have out, you read Huckleberry Finn? Depth. No, no. Really? No, I've never read it. You a know, book. those are the two of the most important American novels, right? I've never read a novel. <laughs> well, that's not totally true, but it's close to true. I know it's closer to true than not true. <laughs> Yeah, books are not my thing. I don't like. Yeah, books. Huck Finn's pretty good. It's pretty pretty. No, just kidding. I like books, but yeah, I've never read this. Well, you know the story though, or no? No. Okay. Well, For another podcast. No, no, perhaps. no. It's 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 very easy. Uh, Tom Sawyer gets in trouble. Mm-hmm. His um, it's not his mom, his aunt or something tells him you have to paint the fence, and he's mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't want to paint the fence. Mm-hmm. So he paints the fence, and he's doing the work, and then he basically tricks the other kids in town to do uh, it for him by smart. saying wow i'm having so much fun yeah, yeah and so basically bob tom sawyer these kids uh, to think that they're totally. having a good time that's true yeah but no but there's no beepers in tom sawyer i how would you know i'm not sure there might be i don't know is this the most embarrassing thing you've ever admitted that you haven't read no. an american classic no there's plenty of, of books i haven't read yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah, so what I yeah, this episode like the plot is fine. It's like I think on the first level it's just like like which which is a common trope, which is the the little guy against the big rich overlord. Yeah. And that's repeated a lot, not in only in Harold, but in a lot of, you know, cartoons and novels, etc. Um but novels. <laughs> I keep talking about these things called novels. <laughs> Uh, okay. You know, it's not like you watch so much TV either. It's not like the thing is, listeners. It's not like Adam's like I just play video games and watch TV. Like he doesn't do that either. He, he reads a lot of um. I want to tell. I want to tell them the text. You should tell them. You, he texted me about a new magazine. That was what he texted me this it's week. It's from 2012. Oh, I mean, oh, even I, worse than no, 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 I new... just found out about it recently. Yeah, yeah, it was. So he he just nerds out about not Tom Sawyer, basically. Yeah, so he yeah. is a nerd. He's not a, but not a TV nerd, not a book nerd. If you've listened to me on this podcast, you understand that I'm very much a nerd. Yeah. Yep. Um. Yeah. So this is this episode is not 
like if it was just the plot, it'd be like, yeah, it's pretty good. But I think you add in all the visual and um, philosophical layers, you yeah. realize that it's a really weighty episode with that. It's like constantly moving. And yeah. um, what this episode does very well to add to what you're saying is it's both implicit and explicit. Yes, exactly. Which I think is really great. So it, this is one where you, because it's so rich with all that stuff, you can really go down the rabbit hole right, right. with it, but you're never actually that far from what's going on in the show, Yeah, which yeah. feels really good. Yeah. It doesn't we don't feel, feel like feel we're pulling insane. out of yeah, yeah. We're not, no, we're not at all pulling out of left field. No, though. I don't know. I, I think, I think the trope of, big rich overlord over the little guy is so common. So they might've even only been thinking about that. It's possible. Yeah. And they just kind of like well, roll, rolled into an economic critique. Well, no, I think, but I think they, ex- they did it explicitly because of mm, what Gerald, mm-hmm, that quote mm-hmm. Gerald says. And even what Helga says, like this is the one I think of all the ones that we've watched so far besides maybe, well, even the tree one is not quite as rich with uh, like the sort of lines, the specific, actual specifics. Specific, yeah. yeah. This is yeah, the one I think goes the, with the most specific lines and themes um, about the sort of things we've yeah, covered. Yeah, and in even that, all so. these, like, even even Mr. Kakashka saying this is a great place to pick up yeah. loose change. Like, it's it's a passing line, but it still has economic feet. It, it, it still exists in the same conversation. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't see the thing as, like, a place to, like get together with your fellow citizens and people. (laughs) He's purely there to like make literally (laughs) sense. Yes. Sense like, like loose change, not even like, and that rip a person off. It's like, Oh, it's so funny. Um, I'm trying to think because I, yeah, this is, uh, yeah, I don't know. This is, I think this is a good episode. It's like both like a fun episode. It's fun. fun, It's a good episode. And it's also rich with the shit that you and I like. Yeah. Yeah, it really feels like um, so far their most rich uh, economic critique, and they've had economic yeah. critiques before for sure. Well, it's riddled throughout the show, period. Yeah. But like you were but saying, but this is the most specific yeah, on the nose. Yeah, and and um, it it again, I don't think it's anti-capitalism. It's a specific kind. I guess it's this neoliberal, uh, yeah. liberalistic kind because it. I I I feel like Arnold and the kids are are truly creatively content. To put up that sign that says Bob Bob's Beeper. Well, they're fine with it. They're, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. not contest the right word, but they're, they they they've like let that go. And yeah, it, it, they're it at peace with that part of ex- it. At yeah. peace, exactly. Yeah. And so there is like a realist a realism punch here. Um, but think, it shows the grossness of it the way that it actually how is. how it can unravel yes. so yes. quickly, um, both literally and figuratively. Yes. Literally, because you have a, a giant float careening through. Um, yeah, I like even the line. Um, Gerald yells out to Arnold as he's biking over to try to catch the flow. Cause Arnold basically like jumps on a bike and hits the brakes and saves the day. Um, and Gerald yells out to him. There's an emergency break, uh, over, uh, under city hall because the, the city scape that they created, um, for the float is sitting on top of an old car. And so Gerald is just saying, dang, that's a good line. Too. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Gerald's saying it's located find city hall on the ma- the little map and you'll yeah. find the emergency break. But that's like such a loaded line. There's some yeah. kind of like, it's about how it may seem like this is careening towards city hall, but actually city hall has it under control. So there, there's this, or like, the, weird... like the possibility, like there is a possibility. Yes, at le- there's at least there through is governance. A... Good policy. Yeah. 
the possibility does exist yeah. that this could not happen. Because he could have said, oh, it's under the Savlaki stand. It's yeah, under the yeah, Tilt-A-Whirl. Yeah. No, yeah. it's under City, City Hall. Hall. Yeah. It's it's a really good um, passing line, like many of them in this episode. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's 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 really it's really fun. Yeah, this is a good one. Um, do you have... Uh... I don't have a cry of the week. Yeah, I don't think... Do you? Uh, let me think for a second. I think just a couple tears. Not it's not strong, but um, yeah, Bob coming in and and ripping down Arnold's oh, dreams. It's, yeah, it's, no, it, that is good. I mean, it's like jarring. It's not really sad, but you hear in Arnold and Helga's voice like you hate it because it's so cold. Because it is like you can't walk. These it's nine a thing year- you can't actually hate. No, like, nine-year-olds just sweet. built a, yeah. a, a a replica of the town that they love. In its ideal form. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, it's a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's yeah. like you can't, and for him to say, I hate it, is the most heartless thing. And so there is like a jarring kind of sadness. Like, No, I like, agree with that. Yeah. I'm, I'm on board. Yeah. You changed so, your mind. Yep, you're welcome. Um, and there are some, yes, yeah, some upcoming episodes that the next episode is great that it's going to have some good cries. Um, so I... We're, we're getting back into rich emotional territory, which I'm nice. excited about. Um, yeah. Uh, and, you know, the sh- like, if I was really going to get picky and shit on Arnold, I would say he's going a little overboard with the symbolism on the, on the flow. It's a little <laughs> bit. It's like, I think it's right. sweet. It, no, it is sweet. It's sweet, but it's not realistic at all. It's not. It's no, just. No, but it's not supposed to be. Sometimes you need you need uh, you need like things to get to rally behind that are simplistic to some degree. I like that, and yeah. I, you know what? He saves the day in the end, so it's yeah, fine. It's I'm just I'm nitpicking. I don't actually need a myth on him. A myth? You need a myth is to that a gather myth? people. Oh, oh, a myth. M Y T H. Yeah. I thought yeah. you were saying there's a great bit in the Muppet movie where <laughs> they say myth, myth. And this woman always will pop up and say yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, but so, you need a yeah. myth. Yeah, a myth. I've been re- uh, just a. I've been l- watching a documentary about Joseph Campbell on Netflix, and it's all about myth, and it's there great. You, you guys should watch it. Bill Moyers, shout out. Bill Moyers, yeah, homie. Um. Oh wait, cool. Well, oh, talk about public good. Bill Moyers, PBS. PBS, Paul yeah. Me. Yeah, I feel like we could keep talking about like the meat of this. I I think we touched on every like big moment, so we don't have to, but. It's uh, it's nice it, to have a rich episode for does. sure, especially yeah. after the last episode, which is <laughs> was so similar in, you know, it even this episode started talking about the same stuff as the last episode, which was about um, like the teacher strike about the teachers yeah. not having the budget. And this episode starts with that. So it's an interesting yeah, connector. Yeah, yeah. But this shows like how that's. Uh, it's almost like the writers were saying, you thought that last episode talked about corruption wait till you get to this one because it connected it 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 brought that last episode which was so shitty into the fuller narrative of hey arnold yeah which makes me not hate it as much i guess yeah like i still don't think it was a great episode but i think as a part of the fabric of the show it is a pretty important point to talk about and yeah I think, like the, with that one i think the idea of covering a teacher strike is yeah. a good idea the way that they did it i thought undercut the idea yes i agree this, no i totally agree they didn't do that this time they right. delivered they delivered yeah uh they delivered the dead flowers from yeah. the mortuary it was great yeah. uh okay cool um we do have a song um it's by Skilo. nice the song is i wish from the album i wish 
welcome to welcome to 1995 everybody <laughs> uh this so the musical play enjoy it um email us at hey.haroldhay at gmail.com um rate review please rate and review we've got some really sweet ones recently uh we would love to get more um I'm like, if you've already rated and reviewed, just, just do, do it, it again. again. I'm, it, grab somebody you know's email and just jump I'm right on there. I'm strongly iTunes. considering messaging people that are friends of mine and saying, can you please just do this? <laughs> because <laughs> we should have so many more. Like We have friends that could do it for us. We just need to ask our... We need to... No, but that, that, that that's a lie. That's lying. Well, people... I have friends that listen to it who have not written a review. Oh, I thought you were just coercing just people you know. But also that. <laughs> you can't say that on, on a hot mic. Hot mic. <laughs> All right. Well, th- thank you for joining us. Enjoy the music. Thanks, y'all. Um, see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. I was a little bit taller, I wish I was a baller, I wish I had a girl who looked good, I would call her, wish I had a rabbit in a hat with a bat and a six form part. I wish I was like six foot nine so I could get with Leo, she cause she don't know me but yo she's really fine, you know I see her all the time everywhere I go and even in my dreams I can scheme a way to make her mine, cause I know she's living fat, her boyfriend's tall and he plays ball, so how am I gonna compete with that, cause when it comes to playing basketball, I'm always last to be picked and in some cases never picked it off, so I just Lean up on the wall Or sit up in the bleachers With the rest of the girls Who came to watch They man ball Dad y'all I never understood Black weather jocks Get the fly girls And me I get the hood rats I tell them scats Skittles the Bible Got hit with a bottle Put in a hospital For talking that mess I confess it's a shame When you living in a city That's the size of a box And nobody knows your name Glad I came to my senses Like quick quick Got sick sick to my stomach Overcoming my thoughts Of being up together Right So when I asked her out She said I wasn't a type I wish I was a little bit Taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl who looked good. I would call her. I wish I had a rabbit in a hat with a bat and a six for a baller. I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl who looked good. I would call her. I wish I had a rabbit in a hat with a bat and a six for a baller. I wish I had a brand new car. So far, I got this hatchback. And everywhere I go, your wife is laughed at. And when I'm in my car, I'm laid back. I got an A-track and a spare tire in the back seat, but that's black. And he wanna know what's really wack.